Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including Lafayette and Lake Charles, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum at b1bank.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Cherry Fisher May, co-publisher and event producer for Indipedia, including ABIDS, Acadiana's business magazine. It's business Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Cherry Fisher May, publisher of ABIS Magazine, sitting in today for Peter Raschuti, and welcome to Out to Lunch, Acadiana. The saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, assumes a democracy of things, meaning every object, from a speck of sand to a skyscraper, has the potential for beauty if we decide it's beautiful. Even if you believe that to be true, you have to admit that some objects are just more obviously beautiful than others. And today I'm talking to Acadiana craftsmen who make objects of undeniable beauty and function. To describe what Alex Caldwell creates as handbags or purses is a bit like calling the Grand Canyon a ditch. Technically it is, and technically Alex does make handbags and purses and some other objets d'art, but they're not like anything you'll see at Macy's. They're handmade works of bejeweled art that look like Fabergé eggs. Actually, Alex also makes Fabergé-style eggs and other jewelry. His list of many impressive customers around the world include the Sultan of Brunei, Harrods, and Neiman Marcus. And every piece is handcrafted right here in his lovely rustic studio near Maurice in rural Acadiana. Alex, welcome to Out to Lunch. Well, thank you so much, Jared. I appreciate that beautiful introduction. Well, it's good to see you again. Yes, absolutely. If you're a listener to Out to Lunch, you may have heard me say at the end of the show that our theme song is performed by Andre Mucho. Andre is a member of the Grammy-nominated band Lost by You Ramblers, and the band is always touring. Their appearances at rock festivals and the respect they've gotten from the established rock and pop community make them one of this generation's foremost ambassadors of Cajun culture. The accordions Andre plays on stage are instruments he actually builds himself part of a full line of Cajun accordions that he custom builds. Andre, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, Cherry. Pleasure to be here. Nice to visit with you. We're going to start with Alex. It's not too surprising that Cajuns make Cajun accordions, but it's very surprising to discover that works of fine art involving skills that take years and even generations to master are created in Maurice, Louisiana. You're the only company making these extraordinary works of art in the United States. And your personal background is in civil engineering and the sand and limestone business. So what got you started making these beautiful pieces and how did you learn how to make them? Well, Chair, the, it started uh, when I moved out into the country in Maurice and I decided I was going to be a country gentleman, so I got some geese and had them running around my barn. And the geese lay eggs. 
And so I tried to find something to do with the eggs other than make omelets because there's just so many omelets you can eat. <laughs> and uh, I went to a Mardi Gras ball, the, the Zanadu crew, the crew of Zanadu, and uh, the ladies were coming in, young ladies in their beautiful ball gowns, <clears throat> and they were carrying these tacky little string hanging purses, and uh, I said, I think I can make a purse better than that. And while I'm at it, I'm going to use an egg to do it. I took out my, took the bar napkin off of my drink, which I'd had several of. And <laughs> a little liquid it. inspiration. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I laid it on the table, got my pen out, and drew an, a, a, a purse made out of an egg. Still have that napkin. And 31 years ago. So uh, I went home and made that first purse, and uh, it was terrible. And uh, But that's got me started, so that answers your question on how I got started. Now, in the, the ostrich egg, were they ever made out of real ostrich eggs? Uh, My person? Uh-huh. Absolutely. And they were strong enough to... Yes, right. They, they are... Um, the, the shells are very strong. You think of chicken eggs as being, uh, you, you automatically think of a chicken egg, which is very, very fragile. But an ostrich egg is quite strong and uh, can withstand pretty good bit of rough treatment, relatively speaking. Now, if you dropped it on the floor, it depends on the floor, it may break or it may not break. But to get around that, uh, for many years I had an un... Uh, a policy that uh, the pieces and purses were unconditionally guaranteed. If you know, somebody broke it for some reason, they bring it to me and I'd give them another purse or repair the one that they had. And so uh, I very seldom get them back. Wow. And, uh, but that's, that answer. that one. I'm going to throw it to Andre real quick. Um, very talented musician, respected so widely in the community. And it's one thing to be on stage playing an instrument. It's quite another thing to build the instrument that you play. We don't see Carlos Santana building guitars or Wynton Marsalis making trumpets. But with Cajun accordion players, it's not unheard of. Of course, Mark Savoie, the extraordinary uh, accordion player and, and also builds accordions. Um, and there's Larry G. Miller from Moulin Rouge, and there's you. So <clears throat> the three of you, are you all trying to create something different from each other, or is there one ideal for an accordion that the three of you might be trying to perfect? Well, uh, that's a good question. I guess the way uh, that Cajun accordion starts to be built here uh, was from uh, these German accordions that they used to import. The Germans used to import them all the way through the, uh, uh, until the end of World War II. And were they diatonic accordions? They were diatonic accordions, exactly. And, uh, and I, the way I understand it back then is, is uh, accordions is something that everyone could get at Sears or Mervyn Kahn's is, is you know, where a lot of people around here would go. Uh, so you go to the store, pick up an accordion, like maybe someone that wanted to start playing a guitar would today. Uh, there was a specific brand that, that that the Cajuns like to play, Sterling Accordions, Monarch, um, and Eagle Brand, all made by this, this company, International, out of Germany. 
And after the, the uh, war, the factories were bombed, and there was no more, you know, no more of those accordions being made. But they really liked the sound of them. There was there was honers still being made, but uh, like I said, they just preferred these. So, a guy named Sidney Brown out of Lake Charles uh, started taking them apart, you know, parts part by part, maybe putting like in the fifties. Yeah, about in the fifties, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, kind of building one out of maybe a few, and maybe adding some of his own parts, and then you know he got to where he could he could uh, he could make them mostly himself. And then Mark Salvoir came along the same thing. Uh, <coughs> then uh, another guy, Sean Mouton, who taught the guy that I learned from, Randy Falcon, mm-hmm. uh, started making them as well. And, uh, and that's, that's, how, that's, how, uh, that's how everything got started. And as far as you, you want to keep to that design, you know, uh, as far as a Cajun, because Cajun accordion, the style of it, it's a very distinct style, you know. It's it's not like uh, piano accordion or, or, or you know, kuhunto uh, or Irish or anything like that. So the ten button accordion, what they call the Cajun accordion, uh, um, you you want to stick to that style and and have uh, have to get that specific sound. So you, th- there's there's little things you can do within the construction of it and the tuning of it and you know uh, parts of the layout that can can maybe help the sound or, or the way it plays, but uh, but basically you want to you want to keep that as a base. Now, is there a variable in maybe timber or resonance or something like that where you your trained ear could distinguish between maybe one of your accordions and one that Mark or somebody else had made? Yeah, there's there's ways. In fact, uh, there's ways that that um, people tune, and in fact, that's how I started. <coughs> to build accordions is Randy Falcon, who I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. I really like the way that, that he tunes his accordions. This guy, Ray Absher, I used to sit in when my dad couldn't make mm-hmm. it, you know, when I'd play with him. And, uh, and, and Ray liked these old reeds, the old German reeds that you can't get anymore. And, and Randy, was, uh, 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 Randy always tuned his accordions, and he tuned it a specific way that Shine taught him, and he kept doing it. Uh, it takes a lot of time, you know. Uh, so yeah, y- y- uh, there's you can you can kind of listen to the tuning, and it, I mean, like you said, you'd have to listen to a lot of accordions to kind of know what you're listening for. As far as the the uh, uh, resonance of the wood, it's not like a guitar where where the where the wood vibrates so much because there's so much it has to be airtight and the pallets just sitting on you know kind of pressing down on the wood, so it kind of dampens anything. Uh, they might have a they might be a little uh, a little difference that the wood would make, but in general, uh, it's more of the reeds and the size of the reed blocks and things like that. When you start an accordion, where do you start? Do you start with the the box and then you do the little tiny pieces? I mean, what's the process there? Yeah, well, um, uh, most of the parts are made uh, by the maker, uh, except for you order the reeds. There's like 90-something reeds in an accordion. Uh, You order the reeds from Italy, these tiny little little, uh, metal reeds. And the bellows, you know, that move in and out. The rest you, you pretty much make yourself. <coughs> and there's a bunch of moving parts, and they have to fit, you know, perfectly, and they have to move right, and, and they have to be airtight. And, and I, was looking at, uh, I was looking at the website, you know, b- before I uh, uh, came here, and now I'm looking at this egg here. And it's, it's, it's so intricate, all these little, little pieces that are, that are 
fit exactly, you know, where they need to go and artful, you know. And for our listeners, Alex has brought a sample of his beautiful, most recent beautiful creation that's on the table that Andre's talking about. Alex, where do you start when you make an egg? Do you, uh, is it the, the, I guess you do a drawing first and, and... We never do a drawing. Uh, I have, in the 30 years, I've never taken a piece of paper and a pencil out and made a drawing of a, a purse or an egg. Uh, I always work on the shell itself if, if I'm going to do any kind of designing. And the reason for that is the shells are, because they are uh, double curved, you can't lay that out on a flat surface. It, it doesn't work. And if you try to draw something on it and then you try to visually or actually transpose that onto a shell it, it won't it won't fit it won't work and it doesn't look right and so i just do i just start on the shell itself and uh, that's the way i've done it so start to finish how, how long does it take average i know you have many different designs and some take longer than others but what how long do you start and get to a completed piece a purse would take uh four to six weeks to make uh, because you don't work on it all full time. You, you do a little bit and you, you have a lot of glue and so forth involved. You let all that set up and, and you have enamel that you have to let set up. And so you have a lot of pause points in there. So it takes a long time to uh, get one completed. Now, I have a lot of people get involved in making something like that. It's, it's not a one-man band by a long shot. I have <coughs> artisans, I have uh, modelers, I have casters, uh, carvers. There are all kinds of different uh, disciplines that go into making one of those pieces. You have gold plating that's involved, and you have uh, lead casting, and it's... Uh, a, a very slow process, and it, it uh, and they all have to work together. And of course, I, my job was so like you don't know, got a band leader. I'm the band leader, and I'll I'll tell them what I want, and they'll get started on it. And then I'll show that piece to somebody else, and I'll say, now you take this piece and do this with it. And uh, they do each one of them do their own thing, and there's nobody that can do all of it. it just can't be done. And no. It's very like, just like you with your uh, your accordions. You you can't you make what you do, right? But you buy a bunch of stuff that somebody else has made and put and it all together. So how long does exactly. it take to make an accordion? It's um, it's uh, eighty to a hundred hours, somewhere around there. And and I, I how think many a year do you make? I make uh, the most I've made probably in a year is six or eight. Wow. And, and uh, uh, that's, that's about it, you know. It's, it takes a long time. And, and you know, uh, the same with, uh, or similar to the egg, it, there's a lot of steps where you're letting, you, you know, you're putting together things, you're letting the glue dry or, or the finish of the enamel or uh, uh, whatever it is. And I wanted to say, too, that's interesting because the, the way you do it uh, is, is just like I was taught. Randy, I would go to over to his, his shop yeah, I went over there for maybe about a year, um, more or less a uh, time or two or three per week. <coughs> and he didn't have anything written down. There were no plans, you know. He would just say, all right, you know, you start, 
here's the face frame. You cut it like this, you draw these holes right here, and wow. he would, uh, and, and, and that way, um, every, every piece or every instrument is unique, but, and it, it's still of great quality because it comes from the maker. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Instead of instead of just you know, like you Mass said, Purdue. right? And you you have you're saying all right, you do this with this you know with this piece to, to the different whoever's doing their jobs, but it's all coming from you. Even though there's no plans, uh, right. it, you, each one is a unique thing, and they're all and they're all of, of, of great quality because of the nature of what they are. So, know? what are the price points for for your accordions? Well, I'd say you know. Um, Generally, they start uh, right around $2,000 and, and go up from there. You know, I think most people today are charging $2,000 to $3,000 for occasion recording. And do you sell them online or do word of mouth? Just people know you make them and they call you? And right, exactly. Yeah, uh, word of mouth. And, and we, you know, uh, being that we travel a lot with the music, mm -hmm. uh, someone will see that I'm playing and come up and talk to me about it. And, you know, it happens that way too. But, uh, uh, yeah, that's, and sometimes people just email me just out of the blue. And Did you ever sell me. one right off the stage? <laughs> Somebody like us, I'll I buy that right now. <laughs> I've been offered, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't have It'd enough of them. It'd be kind of hard to, to finish the tour. Have to, exactly, <laughs> right. right. I, I wish I could. I can never quite get ahead, you know, to where I have accordions available just for someone to come pick up. I would, I would love that. And I'm working towards that goal. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's time now to do the checklist. Uh, that's the part of the show where we take just a little break and ask you a quick question that you probably won't find on a loan application or anything like that. And Alex, we'll come back to you. Um, looking back on your career and your life, or your career specifically, I guess, what's the worst decision that you ever made? Uh, the worst decision I ever made was to get in the purse business. <laughs> <laughs> limestone was more fun? Shell and limestone? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, since um, I'm an engineer by education and my brain is too tuned toward engineering, uh, that has helped a tremendous amount in the way that I make purses. So I can't say that I, I don't use my engineering talents because I... Uh, it, it plays into it all the time. But uh, uh, I, I started life out building highways in, uh, for the state of Louisiana. I built a lot of the farm-to-market roads in uh, South Louisiana and loved doing that kind of work. And that was what, what I was planning on doing. But uh, life came along and made me decide to go to something else besides building roads. And I've been into several different businesses, but this the one I'm in now is completely different from normal engineering work or work that requires a, a right brain person. So uh, that, that's my, that was my decision. Well, we're gonna go from worst decision to best advice. Andre, what's the best career advice that you've ever gotten? Um, I'd have to say that, that uh, well, Kind of a backstory. This is my, my grandfather was was uh, uh, superintendent of education back before I was born, and uh, and he said he said, look, you know, uh, he was telling me uh, I went to college for about a year. And he said he said school is is very good. You know, he said it's not for everyone, but it's it's a you know 
and education is uh, absolutely a great thing to have. But he said, if you work hard and you surround your, yourself with people uh, that you trust and that are knowledgeable and, and, and intelligent and hardworking as well, uh, you can get a lot done that way and you can, and you can be successful in that way. And, and the reason I say that, he was superintendent of education and, mm -hmm. and he didn't. <laughs> he went to college for a, about a year, the same thing, maybe not even, before he went to the war. Oh, wow. And, uh, and he was, like I said, it was before I was born, from what I understand, from what people tell me, he was a uh, really good superintendent. So I remember I, your grandfather. I, I, I took that to heart. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, Alex, you know, one of the things I'm not sure that a lot of people know is um, some of your eggs have made it to Hollywood and some big, big films. The biggest uh, show that I had was uh, Ocean's 12, where the gang of 12, the, the, the theme of the movie or the story in the movie was that the gang of 12 were trying to steal a Fabergé egg out of the, uh, the Vatican. And so that's what the whole film was about. And so my eggs show up practically every scene there is in the movie because <laughs> that's what the movie was about, was stealing the egg. And so uh, I had got a lot, a lot of exposure out of that. So it was, uh, it was very fascinating. So were there any trademark issues with, I mean, Fabergé, I mean, the designs or the name or whatever? I mean, what, what was it like navigating those legalities that's if there a, were any? That's not a problem at all. <laughs> Uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one big reason is the copyright laws call for anything that's over uh, 70 years from its beginning. Uh, I mean, that the copyright doesn't hold anymore. And so uh, I was beyond the 70 years and it wasn't a problem. And then uh, secondly, I don't I don't call my pieces Fabergé pieces. I say they are replicas of a Fabergé piece. Fabergé inspired. Inspired by mm -hmm. a Fabergé mm -hmm. piece, but mm -hmm. I never say, because they're not Fabergé pieces, and I don't, I don't prepare to make them Fabergé pieces, but that's the reason I don't have a problem with that. Well, that's, that's your, your big, uh, you know, what is it, 15 minutes of fame, you know, in the, in the movie. The, uh, of course, I guess some of your your 15 minutes of fame, Andre, would be the Grammy Awards, and, and how many times have, have y'all gone to the, to the uh, event? Uh, we've, we've been just one time, uh, and, and that was plenty. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a great time. It was, uh, it, first of all, it was a complete surprise. You know, I, I found out, I, I remember it, I was in my shop, and uh, someone called me and said, Hey, y'all are nominated for a Grammy. I said, I didn't even know we were, you know, what, what we were up. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and, then and which record was that? That was for uh, Live at the Blue Moon. Oh, awesome. It was, a it was just a live record. And in fact, the record was just one that we put out. Uh, we, hadn't, we hadn't put out a record in a little while. And, we, and while we were making the studio record, we said, well, let's just do this live. We have the engineer here. And, and, uh, and we did it, and it just... That's another reason it was a you know a big surprise to us. It was kind of a one-off deal, and yeah, there you go, exactly. all the way to all the way to Los Angeles. Right, huh? right. It was it was a, it was a great time. It was a great experience. We went for a few days and, and went to the ceremony, and, which is a lot longer than I thought. <laughs> 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 but, uh, it was. We had a great time. 
Well, I know you need to get out of here because you're going to get back on the road right now with right. the Lost Bayou Ramblers. Right. Uh, I think you're headed to Texas. Right, Houston and Austin. Houston yeah. and Austin. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to stop by for lunch. And Alex, Thanks it's been great so seeing you again. Uh, you're both uniquely talented craftsmen and, and your creations are true works of art. And so I want to thank both of you for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Well, thank Thanks, you, Jerry. It was, it was a pleasure to see you again. It's been a long time and uh, I was delighted to be able to uh, talk to you about what I love doing. Awesome, awesome. Well, my guests again today on Out to Lunch have been Alex Caldwell, the CEO of Vivian Alexander, and Andre Michaud, a member of the Lost Bayou Ramblers and crafter of Michaud Accordions. You can find out more about Alex's fine art bags and jewelry and Andre's accordions and music by following the links on our websites at krvs.org and itsatkadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Dominic Lloyd. And our theme song, Encore Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and today's guest, Andre Michaud. Our Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escaday. Special thanks today to Marisa Collins from the Moody College of Business at UL. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermillionville in Lafayette. Cafe V is open six days a week for lunch and dinner with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine and the occasional appearance by the Lost Bayou Ramblers. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken by Gwen O'Quinn. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's Acadiana.com and krvs.org. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from the Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Collie Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is pet and family friendly, offering complimentary parking and Wi-Fi. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM, Radio Acadie. I'm Cherry Fisher-May, sitting in today for Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. We'll be back next week around the lunch table here at Cafe Vermillionville for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S. Providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by Business First Bank with locations throughout the state including Lafayette and Lake Charles. Providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum at B1Bank.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette.